Hey, 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 guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Live Rich Movement podcast with Erica Lasson. This week's episode is all about vision, vision casting, manifesting, and bringing your family, friends, and family into the mix. Today's guest is Michelle McKinney, women's empowerment leader, business coach, dream architect, founder of Dreams Unleashed, and creator of the Vision Playbook. I'm extremely excited about this because our spirits just vibe. And because she lived in her purpose and vision, I was able to see a way that I could live in mine. Be sure to listen through this entire episode for some wonderful gems and a lot of tips, tricks, and ways to implement more joy, creativity, love, and healing into your life as well as that of your family. Keep listening. It's going to be a great episode. Oh my goodness, guys, it has been so long since we've spoken and there's so much to discuss, but we are not going to do that on this week's episode because today's guest had dropped so much wonderful information and this episode, I'm just forewarning you guys right now, is a little longer than usual, but trust me and believe you want to stay through the entire Thing. If you need to take breaks, pause it and come on right back. But um, I don't want to take up too much time doing an intro because there's so much to get to. So I'm going to hop into this episode and I hope that you guys enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having this conversation with Michelle. And I can't wait to hear what you gain from it at the end of the episode. All right. Happy listening. <laughs> You guys don't even know the treat that you're in for. So for those of you who are unaware, um, vision casting is a huge thing that I do here in the Live Rich Movement. But this week, you guys are in for a treat because I'm here with a dream architect, okay? Like when I think of building vision, this is someone that I think of so highly. And um the guest, Michelle, you may not know this, she's currently listening, but um, she is someone that inspired me in my journey and my career and really helping me um, get clarity on a part of my life that I really wanted to tackle. And I'm super excited to get into this conversation today because it is going to be a good one, especially if you are looking to build um, vision when it comes to your family unit. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to stop talking because I'm really excited <laughs> and um, introduce Michelle. Michelle, how are you? It's so great to have you here on the Leverage Movement podcast. I'm, I'm just amazing. I feel like I want to take that intro that you did of me and just like put it on my wake up alarm every single morning. So thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. It's the truth. You are the truth. You don't even know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no worries. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, I know I like talked you up, but I would love for you to share with the listeners in your own words um, who you are and what you do. Yeah, for sure. So I, I I always think it's interesting. It's almost like Superman goes into a into a telephone booth with this cape and that by day I am an executive assistant. I've done that work for probably over 20 years. I'm working with busy senior executives who are really focused on vision and mission. Right. Um, 
in the evening, you know, besides being a mom, I own a business that is currently called Dreams Unleashed. We're in the process of doing a small pivot where it'll be more of me sharing my life. Dreams Unleashed will be more of a program. And your listeners are probably the first to hear that. My <laughs> listeners don't even know that yet. Um, so, <laughs> so there'll be more of a pivot coming where I'm sharing more about my lifestyle and just kind of how I'm managing and balancing all this stuff, so to speak, if there really is a such thing as balance. Um, And Dreams Unleashed, what it is, is that I am a dream architect from the space of, if you think about an architect and somebody who builds a house, that person, they don't just go in and just say, okay, well, we're going to get this room. We're going to do this room. We're going to do this room. That person says, what is it that you want to create? Tell me the vision. What's the dream? What do you want this space to feel like? What do you want this house to feel like? What do you want your guests to experience? In the same way, that is what I consider myself in terms of a dream architect is that instead of just saying, okay, what's the one thing you want to do? Like, mm -mm, tell me the vision. Like, what is it that you want? How do you want your life to feel? What is it that you feel like God is leading you to? What are you unsure about? What are you scared about? So we take the, the total person and we begin to look at what is it that you are called to do? Um, for me, my desire is that every woman that God happens to allow to cross my path, If I can help you to either discover what it is that you are supposed to be doing in this lifetime, um, and even if maybe you already know what it is, but you're not doing it, help to motivate you to create a clear action plan to get moving and do that work so that by the end of your life, you don't feel like, dang, I did all this stuff, but did I do the thing that I was called here to do? So that's the work in a nutshell that I do. The lifestyle part of it just comes about from the space of, you know, when you are a woman specifically, I only know about being a woman. I don't know what it is like for men, but I know specifically for women, we tend to nurture everybody else's dreams first and put ours on the back burner. Mm -hmm. And so the question and the hurdle that comes in is that if I'm helping you to figure out what it is that you're supposed to be doing, quite often you may feel like I don't have the time, I don't have the resources, I don't have the people, I don't have the money. And so that's where me sharing my life transparently in all of his imperfections, just how do you juggle and manage all these things that are flying at your, you know, at you and still stay focused on accomplishing that vision, that dream, but still figuring out how to manage the day to day. So that's where that little pivot for me is going to be coming soon. So I'm going to share with the listeners, Michelle, um, just why I love you so much and how everything that you just said um, actually inspired my work. So you don't know this, but like what you are doing is such a God thing. And I know that it is God's calling on your life and you know that, but I need you to know how much (laughs) because it inspired me to basically live a faith-fueled and purpose-propelled life in the same way. And you don't even know. So I'm going to tell the listeners how we met. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So uh, for those of you who are listening, um, if you listen to the podcast often, then you may remember Dana Bolden from episode seven, I believe. Um, And I attended Dana Bolden's uh, Bold Experience. And Michelle was one of the, uh, no, you were the speaker, the main speaker of the evening, aside from Dana, like speaking and doing a QA. and a um, And I was just so like, what is the word? Like, I want to say not just inspired. I was like entranced by you. <laughs> oh, thank 
killed. That was a killer event. Dana killed that sucker. It was oh my so God. incredible. Yes, it was like, and I always talk about this event. Mind you, you guys who are listening, this was like two years ago, but like I still talk about this event because it was that um, um, influential in a way and at that p- part of my life. Like, because I just had our second child and I just felt very... Um, kind of lost. Like I felt like a shadow of myself. I felt like I wasn't being creative as a multi-passionate creative. I felt like I was just in a position of just rediscovering myself and just trying to figure out what it is that I really wanted to do because I do so many things and how to do it. So um, as you were on the uh, stage talking because you had us walk through some exercises, you were speaking um, and you had us taking notes and stuff. And I was just like, I was entranced. I was like, this is amazing. This is exactly what I needed. Like, oh my goodness, I'm on fire. I'm going to live my life with purpose. And like all of these things that I'd had in my heart and in my mind, for some reason, that event just really reinforced it for me. Like, Erica, you can still do these things. You are meant to do these things, even as a mom of two. Um, And so then after the event, you know, I went back to New Jersey and life went on. Um, And there were a couple of things that happened between that event, which was in October 2018 and um, October 2019. And one of them was just like, I had a breakdown. I did. (laughs) I had a little bit of a breakdown um, later that year. And I was just like, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, tell me what to do. Like, give me an answer. Like, show me the way. And um, he did. He did in his own way. And one of the uh, things that I thought back to when I was in a position of a little more clarity on what area I wanted to focus on, um, one of the people that came to mind was you. And Yeah, you came to mind um, and just uh, the way that you spoke about having vision and also because um, I love arts and crafts, like as a multi-passionate creative, <laughs> like it's a problem going into Michael's. It's like Michael's takes all my money, you know, like don't put me in the Dallas store in the craft aisle. I'll go crazy. You know, <laughs> it's a serious situation. Um, and so every year at the beginning of the year, when it's time to do a vision board or like when people are writing down their new year's resolutions or writing out goals, I, I'm putting together a vision board. And um, one year I saw your vision playbook and I was like, oh, that's so dope. Like yeah. it just looks so pretty. And it's just like, changed the way that I like even looked at my vision boards moving Mm -hmm. forward. Um, And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is absolutely amazing. But more than anything, um, vision board aside, just the fact that once I started to realize that you had this vision playbook, but also um, not, not the vision board, but the fact that you were helping women live out their dreams. Like that really stuck to me because that's all I aspired to do with my life. Like with everything that I'd done leading up to that point, um, it had all been to inspire people and like people in general, not specifically women. That's just something that I gained clarity on this year, if I'm being completely honest. But um, helping people realize the importance of their dream and that they shouldn't like forget about their dreams. I'd been making video content for over, um, for over 10 years. And I'd been, uh, I started this really conceptualizing even this podcast in 2017, but I didn't really act on it until last year out of fear. And that's a whole other conversation, but it was visiting, um, your site and seeing that you were doing this like, 
for a living that inspired me to know that I could also do this for a living. So um, I just want to thank you really for answering God's call on your life because it's like um, most people, I'm sorry, my computer's about to die. Most people think that um, if someone else is doing something along the lines of what they want to be doing, that they shouldn't even bother doing it. But that's not true because if your life's mission is to inspire or if your life's mission is to live in purpose, you can do that. And and each person that you inspire along the way just adds to um, the the results of your mission. And it, it's like this this thing that trickles forward and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going until hopefully at some point the world is tapped into your mission. So I just want to thank you. Oh, thank you. No, I think, you know, the work that we each do, you know, when you think about that space of sometimes we don't want to move into the thing that we have a, we might have a gut about, or we think we might want to do it, but then we talk ourselves out of it because it's like, oh, there's so many people already doing it. The thing that I know for sure about this work that I do, and it's not, you know, I don't feel like it's arrogant. I think, I believe that it's just truth. Nobody can do this work the way that God's given me to do this work. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody can do this the way that I do. There are other dream coaches. There are people who do life coaching. There are people that do a lot of great things and they are amazing, right? But with the experiences that I have, the gifts that God's given me, the passion that I have, I do it differently. So much so that I, what I know for sure is that when I'm not taking clients, like one-on-one clients, is that when people ask me, can you refer me to somebody else? I'll try to refer them to other people But what they know is that the way that I deliver it and the way that I'm going to help work work through it with you, that's its own unique thing that God's given me to do. And I can't even literally, I can't take any credit for it. Seriously. I mean, I know that I do a lot of reading. I do, you know, I get coached myself. I do all that kind of development stuff. But at the end of the day, when I'm working, even if it's not a client, if I'm in the grocery store talking to another woman and we just happen to go there, right? I know that more often than not, the words that are coming out of my mouth are not Michelle McKinney. They are the words that God is depositing into my heart. I open my mouth and the words come out and they touch that person the way that they need to touch. So much so that sometimes I'm sitting back and I'm like, dang, where did that come from? Because I know I'm smart, but I know I'm not. I'm not that smart to be able to be that in tune with people. And so it's not just me, even though I know that, you know, I champion myself. Every person, every person, that's why, and but for me, my passion is women, right? Every woman, if you still have breath in your body, God has given you something unique to do. If not, he wouldn't have you here. You're wasting time. You're taking up space. He's very intentional about creating every single one of us. For me, when I look at, you know, somebody else may look at that scripture and interpret it differently. For me, when I look at that scripture and I hear it, for you are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? That says to me that God took his time with me, that God took his time with you. With God took his time with the person that is listening to this and said, you know what? What is it that I need her to do? I, oh, you know what? I need her to do this. So I'm going to deposit this. I'm going to give her this. I'm going to allow her to go through these experiences because I have something so unique for her to do. That's why I get excited because it's like, 
girl, you got to go do that work. And when we drag our feet on not doing the work, whatever it is, the vision is, the problem is it doesn't just impact your life. If I got scared when Dana asked me to do the keynote that day at her event, right? If I let fear sit in my mind, in my heart, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? The words that I needed to speak for the one woman, the two women, the five, the 10, the hundreds of women that were in that room, they wouldn't have got it. So this call, this thing that each one of us has, yes, it's great that you're the one that gets to do it. But at the end of the day, I love what they say in Purpose Driven Life, chapter one, I think the very first sentence, it's not about you. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Michelle, you about to, okay, you taking it there. You taking it there early in this girl. Let's go there early. <laughs> no, oh my gosh. So there are so many things about what you just said because um all right, so collaboration over competition, a thing that I totally agree with and I feel like it took me understanding the uniqueness of even my makeup and the same thing with experiences that allows me to speak to people in a specific way and also just recognizing that like everyone is meant to do their thing because of God's calling on their life and in the specific way that they did it. So I couldn't agree more mm-hmm. with that. The um idea of doing it scared because honey, if you're not doing it because you're scared, not like you're it's it's almost like a disobedience thing, right? It's almost like you're um telling God that he he like made a mistake in giving you the gifts, talents, and experiences and the things that you were supposed to be doing and you're not doing it if you if you don't aren't willing to do it anyway. But more than anything, I think about the people who would be missing out on the ability to live fully or like navigate their way through a situation, like your ability to help someone like potentially potentially live a better life just because you're in your feelings about how you feel and most of the time the way that we feel is like a falsity that we've created for ourselves it's a belief mm-hmm. that we've like been indoctrinated to that serves no truth and no real purpose other than keeping us us outside of our greatness so like i love that idea of doing it scared i'm so great that grateful for the fact that um like, you know, you, you, it, I don't know if fear was a thing with speaking with Dana but, or at Dana's event, but I'm so grateful for the fact that you did because like, I'm telling you, it was like church hands up in there. Like there was so much <laughs> where I was like, mm, mm, like <laughs> the, the church mm, or like, um, amen, like just amening everything. I really felt like it, the event was on a Saturday, I believe, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. or maybe it was a Friday, but it felt like I was at a Sunday service. Like, it was so- <laughs> Good. Like you were just hitting all the points. And then the third thing that um you said that really uh spoke to me um is not about you. That mm-hmm. that, that that point it is not about you is like so important to recognize because that also kind of feeds into the doing it scared. Um and it took me the longest time to realize it is not about me. You know, and mm-hmm. and and in general un- having that an understanding of that statement has like changed my life. Like mm-hmm. for anyone who's listening and thinking like, oh, I have these gifts or these talents and I'm just sitting on them. Like, because like, well, when I got to pay these bills or I don't have the time to do this, or like, I don't want people to think that I'm better than them because of this. Like that's a conversation that needs to stop because it's not about you. You know, it's not, it's, not. it's, not. it's about service. And like, so, um, and in considering vision, my thing with uh, operating in vision is doing it with joy. 
like living joyfully and and living in alignment with your purpose. Like my, I've become very clear and this was a Holy Spirit thing that's like, it's been a journey to get here. And I always say journey with a a Y, J-O-Y-R-E-Y. Love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a journey to get to this point, but I now understand and recognize that joy is a part of my ministry. Mm -hmm. And um, in thinking about even getting to this space, like, it was something where I needed to understand that like even the gifts and the talents of the multi-passionate like things that were being done and the creativity, it was about helping people recognize that it's not, it's not about me and the things that I enjoy doing, but rather how it's of service to others and helping them learn that they could do the same thing. Like the things that they do best, the things that they do well, the things that they do with joy is to serve others. It's not just because it feels good to them as an individual. Like, mm-hmm. that's just the bonus. That's the plus. Because then that means that you can do it all day without feeling worn out, you know? Or, like, um, without it coming from a place of feeling like it's you're being, like, taken advantage of. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so I absolutely love what you've shared. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I can listen to you talk about that. Um, but, no, let me say this about that, right? Last thing I'll say about it is that think about this. Like, you know, I want you to think about it. I want those who are listening, think about it, right? What's one thing that you have been waiting for, that you've been praying for, waiting to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever that one thing is, and I'm sure there, there are possibly, if you're like me, there are multiple things. There are things that the reason why I believe personally that some of those things have not taken place is because God is waiting for the person that's supposed to, that is supposed to help him to deliver it to do what they're supposed to do. Come on. Some of the stuff that hasn't happened, it's not because God hasn't moved. It's because I personally think, and I'm just saying, I know, you know, there's no scripture I can point to this. This is just what I believe, is that I believe that there are things that he needs other people to move. He wants to use their hands and feet to be able to help deliver the blessing that you've been praying for, right? And here you are, you sitting and you thinking that God doesn't hear you. God, when? And God is like, listen, baby. Erica, I'm trying to get this thing to you, but Julie just won't move yet. I've been stirring her heart, but she's so distracted. She got so many things going on. She's afraid what you might say if you call her, if she calls you out the blue and say, hey, I have this thing that God, I feel like God's telling me to do, that God wants me to do for you. And so in those cases, right, the same way that you are praying that God would move on your behalf, there is somebody, I guarantee you tonight, that has been st- that has been praying, asking God, God, where are you? I've been waiting for you to move. And they're thinking that God's not moving. And the reason why the blessing and the manifestation hasn't come forth yet is not because God doesn't want to do it, but the person that he wants to use won't be obedient and do what he called them to do. The business that they're supposed to start, the dream that's supposed to, you know, take its first steps, the phone call that's supposed to be made, the email that's supposed to be sent. We want to see God in the big things, but we're not faithful in the little things that he's asking us to do. You know what I'm saying? And so we got to be mindful of that. So when we say, you know, it's not about you, no girl, for real, it's really not about you. God seriously wants to just use us as the conduits, his vessel to be able to do what he wants to see happen in the earth period Mm. michelle can i tell you i just had chills i just got 
<laughs> you just gave me a whole Holy Spirit read. Like, <laughs> you just ruined my life. Because I feel like you're speaking, like, I feel like you're coming for me a little bit. Like, um, for myself, too. I be coming for myself. <laughs> like, I feel like this is what he wanted me to hear. And th- these are some thoughts that I've had. Um, and so when I say this, I'm I'm speaking specifically to just like resting, like resting in God's presence. Um, I started to share this with you at the beginning of the episode before we got into the conversation about how I've been like struggling to just like rest, like go to sleep early so I can get up early, do my devotions and like go about my way um, led by God's presence. And Doing the devotions and stuff isn't the issue. Like prayer devotions, that's how I start my day. But the going to sleep early bit so that I can get up early bit, like there's Mm -hmm. something. And I've been talking about this on my social platform all year. Like I feel like I am meant to get up at 530 every day. Like I don't know what it is about this specific time, but I really feel as though the Holy Spirit is saying, Erica, you need to get up at 5.30. Like, make this a habit. Make this a part of your lifestyle. But, like, there's something he wants to do in this in that span of time um, that I haven't, and I'm putting myself on blast right now, I feel like I haven't been completely obedient. And I feel like I'm, I'm praying for certain things and believing God for certain things. And I have this, like, huge vision that he's placed on my heart and in my spirit But for some reason, like, it'll be like little things will happen. And the moment I start to feel some type of way and like, I feel like, well, or it's not that I feel like, I feel like it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to me saying, but you haven't even done this. Like, Mm -hmm. how can this happen when you haven't even done this? In order for this to happen, you need to do this. But more, moreover, like once this happens, then you'll be able, you would have mastered this one piece of something so that once the big vision is here, you'll actually be able to sustain it. Um, so I just, you just came for me and I appreciate it. <laughs> so this is the thing though. So, you know, while I come for you, you come for me, we come for each other, right? Because we leave nobody, nobody behind. Right. In that space, right? You think about there's this um I'm I think I'm not sure, but I think I'm gonna start reading um the book Big Magic. I had and it came across my my space again today. And so it was something that was said. I was like, maybe I'll finally read this book, right? But there's this quote that she shared. I was just listening to the audiobook of it, right? And there's this quote that Elizabeth Gilbert, who's the author of Big Magic, shared about a guy that she had learned from named John Gilbert, right? And John Gilbert, he was a poet and a professor at a particular college or university. And she shared that one of the students told her that John Gilbert said this to to the student who had a desire to become a writer, right? And so she told John Gilbert, she was like, I have a desire to become a writer. Like, I think I want to write a book or something to that degree, right? He said to her, do you have the courage to bring forth your work? The treasures hidden inside you are hoping you will say yes, right? The part that I love so much was that second part. The treasures hidden inside you are hoping you will say yes. Now, if I take that little part, right, and for me personally, everybody is different, you know, um, for me personally, I I don't necessarily subscribe, me personally, 
to the universe, but I respect all those who do, right? But I believe that there are a lot of different things that I can learn from all different um, beliefs, right? From all different belief systems. And some of this book is derived from universal principles, right? Mm -hmm. That part that she talks about in terms of the treasures hidden inside of you. Now, when I take that into a Christian faith space, right? The treasures hidden inside of you. Every single time that you choose, because it's a choice, Erica, and I'm not saying this to like get on you. I'm saying this because I got to say this to myself. And so the same way that I got to have a big sister or a little sister, whoever say this to me, I'm saying it back to you. The things that you want to know, they are already in you. The things that God wants to reveal, they are there probably at that 530 a.m. meeting, Mm -hmm. but they have not been uncovered. They have not manifested in terms of your understanding of them yet because you choose to say, I would rather not know and I'd rather stay in this bed. But what your deepest desire is to know what it is that God wants you to do. And he's saying, just meet me at 5.30 a.m. Think about that. Think about the person, you know, in the world that you admire the most, right? Let's say for some per- some people, let's say it's Oprah. Like, I love me some Oprah, right? Mm-hmm. Do you understand that if Oprah's team told me that I needed to meet with her at 5.30 a.m., right? Because she wanted to meet with me. Girl, I'm getting up at 4 a.m. I'm like ready. And I'm like, I'm listen, I went to bed early, right? <laughs> You and me, we the same people. I get it, right? God is like, meet with me at 5.30. Okay, I know I'm supposed to, but we keep, he's there every single morning at 5.30. Every single morning. He's right there in his position at 5.30 every morning to be able to share with you the vision, the dreams, the answers, the things that you want to know, your deepest desires. But he waiting for you and where you at? And I'm saying that to you like I'm saying it back to myself. Yeah, I check myself in that same Michelle. Where you at? Where you at? Uh, you right. You right. You got me wanting to go to sleep early today. Listen, no, I'm not even want to. I'm going to. There you go. There you go. Because there are treasures hidden inside of you, Erica. That we go back to what we just said before. The treasures hidden inside of you—they're not just for you. He may share some things about for some other people that he just wants you to be, again, a conduit to help them to see where they need to go and what they need to know. Oh, praise God. He's so amazing in that way. And you know, the crazy thing is like, I went at, on the rare instances when I have been able to do it. Um, it's just, it's not consistently. It has been amazing. Like exactly you what you said has like it'll be like a full-blown vision or like I'll, I'll have a prayer and then like um I will uh write it down in my devotional book and then like I'll be like all right lord so thank you for this I'm a, I, like let this sit on my spirit lord thank you so much um and I'm gonna check in tomorrow and see what you say about whether or not I'm actually supposed to do this so I know I'm not doing it on my own accordion but but I'm actually like following in your will and when I tell you like not only does he show up he shows out with the visions okay like listen what no, I'm t- I'm like, listen, I'm with you. No, I'm amening. That's my, my, when I say listen, that's my amen. Like, girl. I'm like, what? What else you want to tell me? Like, what? What you saying? Don't be a vessel. What else, what else do I need to know today? Um, 
And can I tell you, I haven't even begun to dive into the meat of what this actual conversation is supposed to be about. <laughs> Look, we might have to cut some of this out or just do a part one and part two. <laughs> no, listen, the people are here for the tea. They, they will stay and listen to this goodness because that is what we're putting out. You guys don't mind, right? You guys who are listening, you love this, right? So we're just going to keep going with it. Um, so <laughs> now hopping into the actual conversation. Such a good sesh. Um, I was going to ask you what your purpose and your passion are, but I feel like that is completely evident and you've laid it out. Um, and in women being your passion and your purpose to be a vessel. Um, but how did you begin to tap into it? At what point did you realize, um, or come to recognize the power of manifestation and vision? What made you a believer? So, the work is, I, you know, what I shared in the opener is that I've been doing, I've been an executive assistant for like over 20 years, which is so wild because I feel like that field is so um, underrated and really is not explored in the way that it really should be, is that it is the most, ex- one for me, one of the most exciting careers, right? Because you get exposed to so much, um, especially if you're in the space to do more than just schedule meetings. Now, if you get it to just schedule meetings, that's really not what an executive assistant is. An executive assistant is somebody that really is there to assist. You know, if you think about, I'm not a big sports person, but I have enough men in my household to know some things <laughs> is that when you think about a person who is the assist, they may not be the person that's always scoring, you know, that's scoring, you know, the points, but they're there to make the assist for the one who is going to score the points. That's what the work is that I do. And so the, the type of executives that I work with, they're, you know, in pretty, you know, either national companies. Um, in the past, I've worked at, uh, for one of the executives at Starbucks. Um, I've done American Express. Um, I'm at a housing uh, organization right now. And so with those individuals, like they don't come to play, like there's so much at stake, period. They don't play. And so you got to be able to run hard with them. Now, the thing is in any corporation like that and other businesses too, small businesses, large, whatever, but specifically in corporations like that, that have that kind of global and national presence is that you have to be very clear about what the goal and what the vision is. Like you got to be super clear. And when you're working with these kind of executives, you see how they're able to hit these crazy goals and this crazy vision It's because they plan. And so for me, the way this kind of took root was that I felt like I was at a place where I had been doing this work for a number of years and I was really, I mean, I'm excellent at this work, right? And I felt like God was saying, okay, Michelle, you've been doing this work for executives for some years. Now I want to pivot you a little bit and I want you to work with everyday women just like you who may not necessarily be in the corporate space and helping them to make things happen and get it done, whatever the get it done is, right? With laser focus, I want you to work with everyday women who have a vision or aren't quite sure what the vision is. Take that same skill set, those gifts that I've given you of being strategic, about communication, about storytelling, about all those kinds of things. I want to take, I want you to take those things that I've given you and I want you to transfer it to this work with women that I have for you. That's how it started. I didn't have, you know, I had honestly, I had not gone and still have not gone to a official coaching program, which I think there's always great merit to doing that kind of stuff. I am literally relying on God's favor 
and obedience in doing this work. And I don't take it lightly because what I do know, even though, like I said before, I know I'm really great at doing this work, right? What I do know, if I ever mishandle it and I'm careless and I get a big head about it, at any point, God can take all of this away. This anointing, this call, this thing that he's given me to do, he can remove. Remember I said earlier that I know when I open up my mouth, it's God speaking. At any point, if I mishandle this, if I don't take the women that he puts in my path seriously and challenge them to do the work, he will remove this from me and give it to somebody else. Why do I know that that's true? And I believe it's true because in Esther, in the story of Esther in the Bible, it talks about when she was scared, right? And this, the scriptures go on and say, um, if, um, but who knows if you were called for such a time as this, right? But even before I wanted to get, hold on, I want to get the whole thing just to give it to you real quick. It'd be real, real fast. Okay, it says, for if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. The way that I challenge my clients with this particular scripture is that I say, okay, so let's make this personal. Let's say, Erica, Erica, what's the thing that God's asked you to do? Just tell us that real quick. What is that yeah. thing again that God's giving you to do? Mm-hmm. Right, right now. Um, help women in transitional phases find joy and healing in what's next. One feel good thing at a time. Okay. Got it. Okay. So I'm just going to like shorten it just a bit, just for the purpose of what we're doing. Right. So I'm going to make Esther 414 personal. Erica, if you remain silent at this time, because you are scared, because you are busy, because you're not sure where your resources going to come from, right? Relief and deliverance for the women that you've been called to serve who are in transition, their relief and de- deliverance, it's going to arise from another place, another person. But you and your father's family will perish. Okay, now that may not mean to me when I interpret this for me, somebody else may interpret this differently. This is how I unpack it. That may not mean that Erica's father's family, you are all going to perish. But what I believe is something going to die. Something mm-hmm. is going to die because there is a cost for disobedience. Something's going to die. And so there's a cost for disobedience. It could be a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be a human person, but something's going to die. So then the second part of 14 says, and who knows, Erica, but that you have come to New Jersey, to Baltimore, to wherever it is that I want to take you to this position for such a time as this. What stood true for Esther still stands true for Erica in 2020 is that the thing that God has called you to do, you have a responsibility to do it. He's called you to do it. And if you choose not to, oh, relief and deliverance will come from somewhere else. That's what I believe about the work that each one of us has chosen to give. Think about, you know, if you've ever had an idea about something and then later on you didn't move on it. And then all of a sudden you see somebody else with that idea, like doing it like two years later. Guess Mm. what? It went to somebody else. You didn't own it. You don't own your ideas. Those are things that God gifts to you to say, hey, what you going to do on it? You going to move? You going to move? And then if you don't move, he'll give it to somebody that will move and will act. Like you'll see people making moves, this, that, and the other. You're like, man, they're not even a believer. They're not even this, that, and the other. But guess what? They moved. Mm. put it forth in the earth because it was never about the person that was given the idea. It was for the people that needed the resolution of why God gave it to you. So whoever it is, is going to be obedient to do it. That's the important piece of it. 
Oh my gosh. So many parts about what you've just said are things that resonate. Like earlier this year, I feel, um, not I feel, back in May, um, I started doing this thing called Faith Fuel Purpose Propelled Chats on my mm-hmm. IG lives um, as a uh, part of a challenge to myself to get up for that 5.30 call time. Um, and I hit it a couple of times. I miss it a lot of the times, but the intention was still in my heart, but I still feel the the Lord still spoke to me in that space um, in the devotional work that I was doing around that time. And that same um, scripture in Esther, because I was going through, I'm going through and reading the Bible again, but then also uh, the devotional piece and the devotional that I'm reading also aligned with that message. So that's what I spoke on that day. And that is the the exact message, but the way that you're speaking about it. And I love the fact that it makes it relevant to anyone and everyone, even three, I don't know how long ago the Bible was written, but like all of these thousands of years later, Mm -hmm. like those words still hold true today. And I love the fact that you say it in the way that you have, because um, for me and the work that I'm doing now, and again, I mentioned that even the way that I've come to doing this and the people that have inspired me even into this space and the way that I've I've come to have clarity about the fact that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, it's all a Holy Spirit thing. Like mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. to like uh, seeing, like having certain visions, um, receiving the gifts of tongues last year, like praying on certain things. And at some point, like a bunch of numbers popping up and seeing those and speaking with my pet, like minister, uh, pastors and having them like, tell me certain things. Um, like I, I am very clear on the fact that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but in thinking about, um, not moving your feet and dragging. Um, I always say that the Holy Spirit, even if you're not a believer, like his his gift, the gift of the spirit is in all of us. It's what, if we choose to receive it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But just knowing that that gift is there, like that, that guide that is constantly telling us what we should be doing. Like, and I feel like a lot of times people um, just take it as coincidence. Like I don't believe in coincidence. There is no such thing as coincidence. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Um, but like those little whispers that you may get sometimes, like that, mm-hmm. that's the Holy Spirit speaking. And it's like, what are you going to do with it? Just like you said. But the w- fact that you've stated it in such a way um, like this, I love that because I feel like people who aren't believers can then start to understand the need for them to like listen to that voice mm-hmm. and how that voice can take them to where God needs them to be. And through that, then I believe that's when people start to find, um, gain access to the Lord in a certain type of way and understanding of the Holy Spirit, which is a whole other conversation. But I just love the fact that you've stated it in this um, specific way because um, it it shows that the word is a living word. Like mm-hmm. all of those years later, it is still so relevant even now in everyday life. It is like the map of maps, the guide of guides. Um, if only people would take the time to... Um, Treat it like the gift that it is. Like, and that sometimes is a journey in and of itself getting to that space. But the Bible is an awesome book. There's this guy. Um, he's from, I think he's from Texas. His name is Ed Young, right? He's a pastor. And he <laughs> said this thing like a gazillion years ago when I saw this match. I mean, it's really, really old. But he says, why do we think that we're here just to recreate, procreate, do deals and die? We're not. We are here for so much more. Think about that. We are not here just to recreate procreate, do deals, and die. 
That is not the total sum of your life. So for me, if I can help women, you know, somebody else is helping men. I don't know who they are, but they helping they helping men, right? And I'm sure they're doing a great job knocking out the park. For me, and there are other people who are like me who are called to this body of work, right? For me, I want women to understand that you are not here just to, all these things are important, recreate, procreate, do deals, and yes, you will die. You are here to be able to give back to this world. And so part of that starts with, are you willing to dream again if you haven't dreamed? You know, if you don't know what the dream is, are you willing to be like a little kid and dream again? Part of the reason why I think that some of us have a tough time with dreaming and vision and manifestation and thinking through all those things is because there are so many things that have been told to us that are rooted in fear that we live such careful lives that it's hard to dream again. Because at some point in your life, I guarantee you, somewhere down your line, I've been the the I can't I don't I think I'm at least at seven years of doing this body of work, right? And the thing that I found is that over the course of time when we're doing like one-on-one sessions, is that we can often go back through childhood and trace when a young woman shared, a young girl, the the woman who I'm with. We can trace back to her childhood years, right? And what's often interesting is that it happens somewhere around middle school years, that during your elementary school years and preschool years, when people ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? I don't care what you say. If you say, I want to be the leader of the circus, like, ooh, Sally wanted to be, Erica want to be like the ringleader of the circus. Oh, I'm going to take her to all the Barnum and Bailey circuses at the time now is, you know, the, the new circus, right? So I'm going to take her to all these things, right? And it's, it's champion. Now, Erica grows up a little bit more, right? And Erica is in like like sixth grade, fifth grade. And Erica says, oh, you know, I want to be a ballet dancer. Her auntie looks at her like, girl, you know, they don't put no little black girls as ballet dancers. Your hips too big. You don't have enough rhythm for that. You can't do that. Erica was sharing that in her most vulnerable space, her dream. Our dreams are vulnerable. They're sacred to us. It's something that's planted in this inside of our soul, right? You share that with somebody that you trust and they kill it like that. And they don't even understand the amount of death that they're doing to you, right? So then you take that vulnerable dream and you stuff it down into the crevice of your soul somewhere and said to that little seven, that little, I'm sorry, a little like 10 year old girl, 11 year old girl, you just stay back there. Stay quiet. Don't ever tell nobody that dream again. I'll protect you. I'll keep you safe. Right? So then you start trying to create for yourself a whole new vision for your life that is different from what God put in you. Remember, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. This stuff that you start transitioning to later on in your life, this is often not new stuff. If we go back to your childhood and some of the things that you were doing, some of that stuff, maybe not all the way directly, but some of that stuff lines up to the things that you were curious about, which is why it's so important that as parents, as aunties, as godparents, that you pay attention to the things that your kids are curious about. If you have a young boy or a young girl that's curious about playing PlayStation and all that, stop getting on them about playing PlayStation 
PlayStation all the time. Instead, you be the guardrails and the dream breather to say, okay, you like games, you like gaming. All right, listen, I'm going to put you in a robotics class. Let's see what we can do with this. Let's see if I can help. What is it about the gaming that you like? Oh, you like the action and adventure. So maybe it's really not about gaming. Let me, let me expose you to some new things. Our job as parents, as aunties, as uncles and granddads and grandmas and all those things is to provide exposure to our young people, to our children, so that they can continue to give breath to that, right? If you think about a fire, when a fire is raging, a firefighter will always tell you, we won't, we want to kill the air. Don't give it any air, because if you give a fire air, it will explode, right? That's what we want. We want one of my favorite things that Jay-Z says is let it breathe. My friends crack up when I say that, right? But if you ever listen to like Jay-Z's like tracks and stuff, even when he's on with Beyonce, he'd be like, let it breathe, let it breathe, right? I love it. I love it. I love it, right? Because the way that I think about that and our vision and our dreams and manifestation, I'm like, let it breathe. Give it, don't kill it yet. Let it breathe. Whatever it is that you want, that you desire. I just said on Instagram the other day, I'm so grateful for girlfriends that I have in my life that I can be vulnerable about, girl, this is what I really want. Whether it's about romance relationship, whether it's about my career, whether it's about the things that I want to do, I'm so grateful that they give me the safety of that space to be able to let it breathe. Mm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, Touches on so many things. That conversation piece and the ability to be vulnerable is so major. And um, even considering the work that's done with the Leverage Movement and like joy through purpose, but the the conduit of that being like, or the, the, the space to allow that happen to happen, being through open conversations so that you can create the healing experiences because Mm -hmm. really all of, um, these things um, create hurt and hurt yeah. creates the fear. And then it's things that these are things that people pass down subconsciously, subconsciously. They don't even realize they're doing it, just like you said. And then it becomes something that um, goes down generations and generations. And then your people are wondering why they aren't living their best life. And I don't mean just for the gram or like social media, because that is the thing now. And I'm sure that in the future, it'll be something <laughs> else. But like, you know, like what really and truly sets your life on fire? Like mm-hmm. why are you going to this job every day that you hate when you know that something else brings you so much more joy? And I feel like a lot of times people, it's that fear of having those conversations and really the fear of judgment. Um, and I, I also do believe that it starts with childhood things. So um, I, I can't remember if you said, I believe that this is a thing, but like I am... It is the thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I'm right there with you that that's the thing, you know, and people don't even realize it. So um, in working with women, I I feel like women, we have so much power, man. Like, and we underestimate that power so much in recognizing our abilities to change the world, like really and truly change the world through having those conversations and giving ourselves the uh, space to be vulnerable, vulnerable and giving ourselves the permission to share what's truly on our hearts and in our minds. And yes, there is a need to have like a close knit circle or like friends that you feel um, safe with in that space. But sometimes even just like getting it out. So like thinking about therapy, you know, oh my I don't gosh, have to yes. be your best friend. It does not have to be a best friend. It doesn't like sometimes a stranger can be 
uh, your un, un, unintentional therapist, you know, but sometimes I think women just need to get the thoughts out, whatever they are, you know, whether it be a conversation with someone else. And I, I actually did a live about this the other day or like processing your thoughts alone through journaling or, um, praying out loud, you know, like God hears everything. He, he knows the thoughts that are on you in your heart and in your mind. So like, sometimes you don't even have to speak them out loud, but you got to sit with them. Oh my gosh. And you have to express them. So I love that about just being in that space of vulnerability and allowing, allowing your, letting it breathe, you know, like there's so many people can let it breathe, but you gotta let it breathe. You Um, got to, cause you know, if you don't let it breathe, right. And that what you talked about in terms of therapy is that it is so hard for the creative part of you to flow because if you think about anything that's like, let's think about pipes, right? If my brother was explaining this to me today about a water heater and how over time sediment can sit in your water heater, right? And so it will impact how much hot water can come out of your water heater because you don't flush it out. If you don't flush out that water heater, what its full capacity was supposed to be, it will it will create a lot less because the sediment is sitting in there, right? That's how we are, I believe, is that we have toxic things trauma that has happened to us, things that we're still trying to deal with. And so that sediment is sitting in there. When that sediment is sitting in there, that trauma, the things that have happened, the thoughts that we're having a hard time practicing, the pressure, the stress, all the things that are coming in at us, when now that stuff is sitting in your body is toxic, right? If you don't have the appropriate places to be able to allow that sediment or that toxic space, those toxic things to come out, the capacity at which you were supposed to deliver, it's not possible, just like that water heater. So it's important, I think, like the gift that I found personally in therapy, and I think friends and stuff are great. The thing that this year during the pandemic, I decided to reach out and find a therapist, right? Because it had been some time. And I was like, you know what? This is actually probably a cool time to use some of my job benefits to use a therapist because you don't have to be in that same city and state unless that therapist doesn't practice where you are, right? So the the gift that I found in therapy specifically versus my girlfriends who are incredible is that if I go to my girlfriends and I start talking about what's going on with me, because of the, the type of relationship that we have and because as women, we are often nurturers, after I share all of what's going on with me, what we gonna do? Hey girl, but what's going on with you? And what we going to do, we going to take in all of her stuff. Mm. The gift mm. of therapy, going to a therapist, is that I'm paying a person or using my health benefits to do that, right? And that when we get into that session, I, there is no space for me to take in his or her issues. All mm. they care about in that time is me. I'm the focus. There is no after I unload all of my stuff. All right, Dr. Smith, so tell me about what's going on in your life. No, (laughs) she or he has to use their own resources to be able to unload everything that they took on. But in that space, I get to show up just for me. That's the benefit of going to a therapist as opposed to leveraging your girlfriends. You've got to have that space where you get to show up and be vulnerable just for you without any guilt that you just unloaded and felt like you were a burden on somebody else. Mm. 
Oh my gosh, I love where this conversation is headed. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for um, giving those listening that insight because I think a lot of people don't think about it that way. I know a lot of people don't think about it that way, but it's a, it, it happens exactly the way that you just stated it. So um, that's a very valuable way to even think about it. And also knowing, because you did bring it up, that um, you there are additional resources to get to therapy. Like it doesn't have to be, because I think a lot of times people, when they consider therapy, they think of how expensive it is or like um, that it's only something that like only white people or non-melanin mm-hmm. folks do, you know, or wh- those who may want to do it, there's that conversation about the, or thought process potentially about the judgment, but then there's also the other piece about, well, can I afford to do this? So like you just shared, there um, is a chance that you could have it covered with your health insurance if, yep. if you have health insurance. So um, I hope that those who are listening today uh, take that information and that they use it yeah. <laughs> because the world would be such a better place if everyone um, spoke with someone, especially someone who's qualified and where you didn't have to take on um, anything in exchange. Um, oh, I love that. Uh, but you started to talk on some, speak on some things earlier about Mm -hmm. family and Mm. talking about family. Um, and the, again, the, to bring it back to what the point, not the point, but what this episode is supposed to be about. And I love all of the things that it's about because really, um, this is what it's supposed to be about. Like God is speaking through you and I am so appreciative for it, of it and the fact that you're, you're just letting it flow. <laughs> Speaking about your family, um, we wanted to talk about building vision with your family, um, especially because you work specifically with women. And this podcast and um, the vision that I have is specifically for women as well, mm-hmm. or that the Lord has put on my heart is for women. So um, how do you encourage vision within your family, especially as it relates to your children. I know that you started to mention um, things that parents, aunties, uncles, like people should pay attention to when they're like raising children, but how do you do it? Um, And yeah, well, yeah, actually maybe if you could answer that and then I'll, I'll, I have a couple of follow-up questions um, based on some some things that I've just seen in your life. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure. So very, I'll, you know, in, in very concise ways, I'll just say that one is I think it's important to have a family mission or vision statement. I think it's really, really important because it sets the tone for what your family is about. What is this body of work that we do collectively as a family unit that when God places us in a neighborhood on a street or whatever, that where we're supposed to be the salt and the light, you know, that light that shines on that street and that apartment, you know, building um, in that neighborhood what is it collectively that we want to give to the world, not just our local community, but if you've been called to do stuff abroad, what is that, right? And it's not a single vision that just the adult should have. It should be something that the whole family should be bought into. So I think that's important. So that means you got to have a conversation about a family mission and a family vision, right? Um, and the work that you're going to do. The second thing is exactly what you said, is that you got to talk to your kids, you know, the 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 children in your home, you have to talk to them about what do you want? You know, help them to dream. Don't smother it. There's enough, there are enough um, avenues in this world that wants to kill the dreams. And I don't know, you know, fully what your audience is. I know, you know, my audience, you know, has some 
has quite a bit of diversity, but I can only speak, as I said before, I've only ever been a black woman. So I'm going to speak from a, as a black woman. There are enough things in this world that are there to try to kill and put out the fire of my children in terms of the dreams and what's possible for them. My job is to, as much as possible, like I said before, let it breathe, is to be able to keep lighting that fire. Because when they leave my house, I don't care if it's their teacher. I don't care if it's in the schools. I don't care if it's a person in the neighborhood, somebody else they come in contact with. When they leave my presence, there's going to be so much there that wants to put a bucket of water on their fire. So you got to talk to them and help them to understand how incredible they are and speak life into them. Because even today, as I was thinking, I was um, listening to something on the radio and I was thinking about like all, you know, the, the, the girl, black girls in the world, like young black girls who are like showing their bodies and exposing this, that, and the other, right? I was thinking about that. And the reason why I was thinking about that was because I was listening to, um, the kitchenista um, on something. And in that she was talking about how she didn't get the attention as a child, right? And granted, that's not the avenue she took, but she was talking about social media and how social media can be addictive with the likes and all that kind of stuff, right? And so when she was sharing her story, I was like, man, that's no different from the girls that we like to, you know, necessarily, let's say, put down because of the choice they made most people are looking for the attention, right? They want the affirmation to say, you're doing great. So in that space, it's important for us to be doing that with our kids to say, you're doing amazing. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're so freaking gifted. Oh my gosh, that art piece was wonderful, even though they got paint all over your daggone walls, but (laughs) (laughs) all of those things. Oh my gosh, that is a practice, right? Just affirming the same way that you would want to be affirmed. You know, like just thinking about, um, like we do it so often for other people that aren't even out, like in our home, the the people that are outside of our home. So like how much more with our own children and also recognizing that we have the ability to water, you know, and nourish and nurture their dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times I think in, in women's minds, um, I feel like we, we've, and oh gosh, I feel like so, I, sometimes I feel like I think like generally, and I, I should probably speak from my personal experiences, but, um, when I became a mom for a really long time, I felt like I would have to give up my vision. I'd have to give up my dreams and all of these things. like put my life on hold in order to like, um, be a good mom in the way that I thought I was supposed to be a good mom, you know, mm-hmm. supposed to be mm-hmm. again, a belief, um, not recognizing that the very things that I was trying to stifle in myself would be the things that make me like the bombest mom. Mm-hmm. Now my children are growing and I just thank God every day because um, one, I have an amazing partner, like, and he's mm. very supportive in everything, you know, like even when he doesn't fully understand the vision, he lets it play out. So he lets me breathe, you know, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. But, um, like now years later, and I'm only five years into to motherhood, um, but I can see the benefits of, of allowing myself to be in that way. And I thank God for the journey that he's taken me on to even get to that space, you know, and just allowing 
allowing yourself as a woman to be the best version of yourself so that you can be the best version mm-hmm. of yourself. So they can be the best version of themselves and recognizing that whatever they want to do, first of mm-hmm. all, they'll be supportive, supported, but whatever they want to do is possible. Mm-hmm. You better say that. Mm-hmm. It is possible. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's possible. Like anything yep. is possible, especially if you have, if you believe, if you have, if you, if you have a God, if you are serving a God that, that knows why he put you here and what it is that you're supposed to be doing, like anything is possible. The same miracles that happened when he split the Red Sea in half, like that, <laughs> those same things are possible here in 2020. Like sometimes I read those stories and I'm just like, man, Lord, you said you were the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Like, so in thinking about it, those same wonderful, like mind boggling miracles are still possible in our lives. And, but the thing is so many people don't take the time to believe because sometimes Mm. it's a matter of making the time to believe, like believing enough in yourself, believing enough in your vision, believing enough in the calling that God has placed in your life to one, write it down and make it plain. And then to two, speak it out loud Mm -hmm. yourself before your children. You know what I mean? And knowing that if you're do- in doing so, it's not a selfish act. It's actually a selfless act because it allows you to um, fully live in in all of who you were meant to be so that they can see that and also, again, um, know that it's possible for them. So yep. um, I love that. And I love your answer. Like that that family vision statement, that's something mm-hmm. that we're about to put into play. I love that. Holy shit. It's crazy that you started to mention even that because- uh, what I wanted to ask you initially before I was like, oh, I'll, I'll wait to ask, but I wanted to know if you do vision boards with your family. So if you have this vision statement, is it that at the beginning of each year you do um, a vision board with each child or do you do like family vision board time or um, is that something that you even implement at all with your kids? I will tell you, my children have not done one. The only one who has actually attempted to do one was my youngest, was Sayla. Um, And so we have not done one yet. It's interesting having, because I have two sons, um, guys are a little bit different. It doesn't mean that there aren't guys who will do vision, who won't do, who will do vision board playbooks. Um, But typically the audience for those are often women. Um, I do think that it would be incredible. I think men as well, but even couples to do a vision board playbook together. Now I will say that they are currently on back order. We are trying to find a new um, manufacturer. COVID is just a bit crazy. And so we have to find a whole new manufacturer. So they're on back order. They're not available right now, um, but we're working hard to get those back in production again. But I think the incredible thing about it is the amount of clarity that you get from the vision board playbooks. Um, The way that they are uh, segmented is that as opposed to in a vision board, those vision boards, whenever you go to a vision board party or you do it at home with yourself, it's a single, flat, one-dimensional piece of poster board, right? The thing is, our life is so much more complex than that. There are different roles that we focus on things that are important to us that don't just live in one room. And each one of those things have a di- has a different vision for it. And so what I challenge women to do is before we even start pasting down the very first 
you know, picture from a magazine or clip the first thing is we work through strategy first. That's the magic behind our vision board playbooks is that you're going to work through the strategy of what is it that you want to see happen in this year? You know, whether it's a calendar year or a rolling year, what is it that you want to see happen? And what are the roles that you really need to focus on in your life? And so each one of those gets placed in an accordion style um, book of sorts. And they, on one side of it, it has a strategy sheet that comes with the vision board playbook. And you work through that, including, you know, what is it that you want? What are the hurdles? Who's going to hold you accountable? When is this going to happen? Those kinds of things. That's where vision uh, boards typically fall short is because you get in a room, somebody plays incredible music, you get some food, you get some scissors, somebody starts posting a picture of Turks and Caicos on there. You're like, oh, I want to go to Turks and Caicos, but you didn't want it until you actually saw somebody else do it. We try to get very individual in terms of what is it that you want, not your neighbor that's sitting to the left of you, because we can get so Focus on what other people have. And I'm asking you to focus on what do you want? And the you is plural, just like you learning English. When I say, what do you want? Yeah, I'm talking about you, the person, the individual. But I'm also talking about you, plural, you all, plural, like your English teacher teaches you. I'm asking, what do you and God want for your life? And so that's the strategy work that we do before we even put down the first piece of paper, the, I mean, the first picture, that's what makes the difference with our vision board playbooks. Yes. I am so excited to share that doors for my signature course, Journey to Purpose Vision Casting, will be open for enrollment on April 4th, 2021. This is an opportunity that only comes a couple times a year, and trust me, now is the time to rediscover, reconnect, and recommit to your purpose and identity in joy. You may be asking, why this course and why now? The answer is simple, because the world needs you to be operating in the fullness of your joy. So many people define themselves and their identities by the roles and professional titles that they wear every single day. Mom, grandmom, wife, girlfriend, daughter, sister, student, business owner, or you can just fill in the blank and insert your job title here. Am I right? <laughs> the point is, as a human race, we've lost touch with the importance of knowing who we are and defining who we want to be for ourselves. So much of the lives that we live are created in response to situations, circumstances, and expectations that are misaligned with what we envision for ourselves. When you begin to live fully in your joy, you are able to access true freedom. You don't have to be an enlightened guru or meditate for hours on end to get there. So you're probably wondering, okay, this all sounds great, but how do I get my life back on track and in alignment with who I'm destined to be? You cast your vision and you take a journey to purpose. Journey to Purpose Vision Casting is a six-week experience specifically designed to help you envision yourself in the life that you desire most, while also helping you create and implement strategies and methods to help you live it every single day. It's not just about the idea of having a life that looks good, but it's about creating an intentional life that also feels good. You've written out your goals and you're ready to start crushing your vision. So let's do it together. 
In this six-week opportunity, we will turn your pain into purpose and praise so that you can find joy in every single step of the journey. This is an intimate experience with an opportunity to work with me directly in a private accountability setting, in addition to also having weekly live calls. Seats are limited, so visit ericalassan.com or click the link in our profile to join the waitlist and enroll for our next session. Doors for our next session open Sunday, April 4th. How do you make sure that the your children are acting in their purpose and their passion and vision every single day? Um, do you have any tips or tricks or tools that you use on a daily basis with your children specifically? Um, and this question is for all of those parents who are hearing this and they're like, oh man, you know, I would like to do a better uh I would like to do a better job of making sure that I'm staying um on top of my kids in a positive way and making sure that I'm also supporting their vision and their their goals and their purpose in the ways that they see it. Yeah, I think that it's important to, you know, y'all gonna get sick of this right now. Y'all gonna y'all gonna wanna hear Jay-Z no more. I think it's important to allow your kids to breathe. I think that we could be helicopter parents and we could be so afraid that we're gonna get it wrong that we tend to be very methodical and systemic, you know, or create systems around it. And I think that you got to allow your child to explore, right? I think that if you keep saying the same thing, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What you're going to do? Da, 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 it becomes more of a burden than a delight. And so I think the job of the parent is to sometimes sit back and pay attention. Let them teach you. Let them, you know, like I said before, pay attention to what they like and take an interest in that. That's sort of like dating, right? Or if you're married, you know, you like for when your partner takes an interest in what you do. I don't mean they got to love it, but okay, you you like playing chess. All right. Hey, you want to play a chess game, <laughs> right? And so with your child, like, and I'm, like I said, you know, if I'm talking to you guys, I'm talking right back at myself. God convicts me when I'm sharing what it is. I'll say these words are not mine. So I'm being convicted as I, as I say what I'm getting ready to say. If your child loves art, like my child does, part of my responsibility is to get floor time, right? What is floor time? You hear therapists, you know, child psychologists talk about floor time. Floor time is getting away from your devices, all your stuff, and getting down on the floor with your child. Now, it doesn't literally have to be a floor. It just means getting shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart, eye to eye with your child. And so in my case, my daughter loves art. She loves to paint. She comes alive when she is painting and creating and making and all that kind of stuff, right? My life is busy. Her love language, her primary love language is quality time. Out of the five, that's number five for me. So it <laughs> takes a lot of work for me to speak her love language as fluently as she needs it. And that's difficult for me. So the things that I have to put in place so that I do better at speaking her love language, which will also help her in that creative space of her vision and her passions and dreams and things like that, is I got to have accountability in my life with a friend or somebody that says, hey, in this area of mom, can you hold me accountable with my kids? These are the things that I want to see happen by the end of this year or in this, you know, as I said, this rolling calendar year, whatever the period of time is. And I need you to check on me and say, Michelle, how are you doing? You said you wanted to take the kids away for the holiday. 
Do you have the budget? Did you did you create a new budget account that's just for that? Did you set up your auto, your direct deposit for that vacation account? Did you start looking at where you're going to go? Did you make the reservation, Michelle? So in those areas, it's important to have accountability. And so back to the point, the question that you were asking, you got to let your kid breathe. Allow them to explore. God gave the thing, whatever it is that God's given them to do, you ain't got to make them do it. There is a natural curiosity if you would allow it to breathe and get off their backs about it to go explore and do it. And if it is that you see that your child is stagnant, that might mean that you might just need to perhaps consider just exposing them to different things to see what do they take a hold of. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So many parents are going to find value in hearing that. Mm. And I feel like it doesn't even, um, it's not, I I know I asked the question for uh, children, but I feel like that's also applicable to relationships. Mm -hmm. Like those who are getting, who are in relationships, those who are like looking to get in relationships, those who are married, like there is something about um, just taking time to take time to recognize <laughs> and like learn the people in your life. Like it's a, it's a, a daily practice, but it's so necessary, you know, in the same ways that you would want to be seen, you should make an effort to see those around you. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads me to my next question. Um, and asking you if you vision cast with your partner or when you're dating or in relationships. Um, and if this is something that you encourage or would encourage your clients to do, cause I know that you suggested that, um, it would be awesome for couples to take the vision, uh, board, the vision playbook. But, um, do you vision cast in, in while dating or in relationships or when, um, yeah. in a relationship? So I do think so. Um, I think that it is important. Let's say, let me start first, because I think each one is different. I think in a married relationship, I think in a married relationship, it is important to vision cast, right? Um, Together. And it's also important to share the vision, right? Now, I will say, opinion-wise, opinion, that there are some parts of what you want in your life, vision that maybe your spouse won't understand and won't get it. And in fact, will probably create more discouragement possibly. And so he or she may not be the person that you share all of that with. I'm not talking about hiding. I'm not saying that. So don't even take that away from what I've said. That's not what I said. I'm saying that they may not get it. And that's why I tell, you know, I think it's somewhere on my website that, you know, I am that girlfriend or, you know, but coach that's like you got you have the the partner or the friends in your life, but they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get the vision. Right. And so that's where a person like me comes into play. So I do think this is important. So that's marriage. Um, and my and I will say, listen, y'all will find about me. I don't know anything else but to be transparent. So you take it for what it is. I, this is who I am. And so I take that from the space of having, I'm currently going through a divorce, unfortunately, um, but I take that from the space of having been married for over 20 something years, is that I think it's important to be able to share that in a married space because sharing your vision and dreams, remember I said, it's vulnerable. And so I think it creates, I think it it helps to create even more intimacy. So that's that, right? Mm -hmm. In a dating relationship, I think you got to, figure out where you are in that relationship. 
if it's a brand new relationship, I personally don't think that you should share all of that vulnerability with somebody that's new coming into your life. That's a whole lot to share with somebody like your deepest dreams, your vulnerable desires and stuff like that. And they haven't earned enough interest credit in your life to see if they can be trusted with that level of vulnerability. I just don't necessarily wouldn't advise it. I do think that you can ask each other questions about what do you want, right? I think, you know, with men, for example, I think we can stress them out when we ask, what's your five-year plan? That's stressful. <laughs> that's stressful. Yeah. That's that's a stressful question. I think you can ask questions like, what do you desire? Like, what are you passionate about? Like, what, ex- what gets you up in the morning? Like, if you didn't have to worry about money or anything, you know, at all and bills and things like that, what would you want to do with your time, right? I think you can have those kinds of questions in a dating. And then as the relationship progresses, it's sort of like going in a swimming pool. You put your big toe in, then you put your ankle in, and then you put both feet in before you know it. And then you won't go all the way in. You like slip your body in. It's like, okay, I'm gonna go just below my belly and everything else. And then at some point you say, okay, I'm gonna put my shoulders in. And then now your shoulders in, it's like, okay, the water, okay, I'm already immersed in here. And then at some point you finally decide to dunk your entire body. I think it's progressive like that in terms of how much you share in dating relationships. They're very different than married committed relationships. Yes. Michelle, this conversation is just giving so much life in so many ways. I love you. <laughs> we had a, a little coaching session. We done gone to church. We come back and now you're giving us relationship advice. I love it. Listen, listen, whatever, you know, I can share in terms of my learned experiences, I am very happy to share transparently oh, as they are. Yes. And I love the piece that you said. Um it, so much about it. And, and, and again, I feel like this piece about transparency or the fact that you speak from a position of transparency mm-hmm. is uh, so inspiring in so many ways because so many people want to be transparent, but they, they are afraid to, again, because of what other people will think. But my position in thinking about conversations, and it's like a give and take, right? Like mm-hmm. you you receive as much as you give, but also knowing that those pieces that you want to hold closest to the chest are the pieces that somebody else somewhere else needs, you know? And the more, the more freely you give those, the more freely then they are able to receive it, but then also recognize that they're not the only ones that are going through these things. And I feel like that's a part of what really keeps our society bound up, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. those blockages and like that fear of judgment, all of that, like scared thinking is all because people aren't willing to share. So I really appreciate it. And you, you got to know your audience. You got to know just like with everything, you got to figure out who you like. There are some things that I will share in a speaking room of 30 people or 10 people that I won't share in a speaking room of 500. I got to know my audience based on how vulnerable I'm going to get with you guys. And do I trust you with my story? And I don't just, you know, willy nilly throw all of it out there. There are some pieces that are not meant for the mass public, but there are pockets of when God puts me in rooms where it's like, yep, this is where you're going to share it. That's where it is. And so you that's where that discernment comes in. Like early when you were talking about the Holy Spirit, I think, you know, that is part of gift in terms of, you know, when you feel that still small voice, you know, being able to have discernment of, is this God talking 
Or is this me and my own desires that are pushing this agenda right here? I think that's where discernment helps us in terms of figuring out how much do we share and is this the appropriate audience to share it with? But then you have to look at, is it coming from a place of fear if you decide not to share it? Or is it that God is like, "Mm -mm, this is not the audience? Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, and yes. At this point, I feel like we're just chatting, right? So um, what do you feel like becomes possible once you start to vision cast or um, like dream in terms of vision as a family? And I'm asking this because some people, I mean, based on the things that you've said, people can start to get an idea, but some people still may not see it, you know? And I'm a visual person. So as you're saying all of these things or as you've given these tips or tricks um, and, and telling people like, the little things that they can start to do. In my mind, I see the fruits of those things. I can already visualize that family that's been struggling to create time to spend with each other, how they can incorporate um, those tips into their lives to create not only the joy that they may, may really need as a family unit, but also how it could help put them on path for their purpose. But what do you believe becomes possible once people start, um, living visionary lives once they start vision building or building. Oh my gosh. I feel like there's more possible than you could ever ask or think. I really believe that. And when you, as a family unit, for example, right? If, if we use that, if we stay in that space, if as a family, you start to, you know, create a vision and you begin to align your resources and your activities with that, you'll see the impact that you have. So if as a family, like right now, one of the things that we didn't get to do this year um, that I started talking to my daughter about, my daughter, she will be nine in November, right? So my daughter, um, we uh, adopted her from Ethiopia. And Ethiopia is really like, I've, I've tried as much as possible to try to keep the culture of Ethiopia in the forefront of her life, right? So it didn't, I didn't want it, I didn't want her to leave the country. And she was very young at the time. I didn't want her to leave the country and leave the culture behind. And so it was important for us to pull that forward, right? In different ways in our uh, day-to-day life. And so part of the conversations I have with her from time to time, um, because she she deeply loves the culture so much and is so proud of her Ethiopian heritage, right? Is we've had conversations about how do you want to give back to the children in Ethiopia, right? It's not a thing that you're no longer there. How do you want to give back? So we've had conversations about um, does she want to start putting together some food bags and things like that that can travel with missionaries that we can ship that can be given to the, the children who are in the countryside and things like that. We talk about in our house, Philanthropy is very important. We talk about living for more than ourselves. And so when I see the fruit of it is what blows me away. My son, who is 21, he's in his senior year in college now, right? He came home recently and we were at um, the McDonald's line and it was pouring raining outside. We were at the line and we were ju- we had just paid for the food. I saw my son reaching down in his pockets, right? And he was like looking for something. I was like, what are you looking for? He was like, I'm trying to find some cash. And I was like, okay, we need cash for it. He said, a man right there. I didn't even see the man. I had, my eyes were not on the man. There was a man hunched down like under the awning. And mind you, this is during COVID, right? He's under the awning in the rain. 
and everybody's ordering food and he's just trying to stay warm. So I was like, oh, so we looking, he, we're, we're looking for money, right? And so I said, oh, let me look right here. I was like, tag on it. I had $40 on me earlier, but I used it to buy something. And so I'm searching, I'm, I'm pulling out money, this, that, and the other. And I, I don't know what you came up with. We make it up with like five, $10, or something like that, right? So my son gets out, right? The man sees my son approaching and he starts to like look up. When my son gives him the money, right? The man reaches out his hand to shake my son's hand. And I can't remember if it was the first time or the second time we ended up going back, right? My son shook the man's hand. The reason why that blew me away is because in any other time, this is a, a gentleman that was homeless, right? And you assume, make because we make assumptions about people, even if they're not correct, right? And even if it's judgmental, I told you, I, I just got to be as honest as I can. We make assumptions. Mm-hmm. And here I am, mom, like, you know, mama bird sitting in mama cub, mama, mama bear sitting in the car. And this homeless gentleman, he, um, so he reaches out his hand and I'm looking like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right. Cause I'm mm-hmm. thinking one, this man probably hasn't washed his hands in a while, even not including COVID, but now because we're in COVID, the mm. man doesn't have on a mask and he wants to shake my son's hand. My son shakes the man's hand, right? That blew me away. Because what it did for that man, so we ended up leaving, right? And I was like, I feel like we're supposed to do more, you know? And I'm like, this thing, and I'm talking to my son about it. He was like, yeah, I saw him. So we go to the ATM and we get more cash out, which we get the amount out of cash that I had in my pocket earlier. And I really believe that money was for him. That money was for that man. I don't always carry cash. We get in the car. My son says, mom, this is why you always tell us we're always supposed to have cash on us so that when people like this come across our way, we don't have to look for the money. We always got the money, right? Mm -hmm. Those are principles that I have taught my kids along the way, but it wasn't just principles that I told them. It's principles that they've seen me do. Like they've seen me double back on a major street because somebody looked like they were in need. They've seen that, right? And so because we don't just talk about it, but because in our house, in this house, part of the family vision is to be able to give back to specific groups. And what my family decided, my kids decided, I asked them to choose. The two groups of people that they wanted to give back to were home people who are homeless and children in foster care. Those were the two places that they collectively decided these are the two issues that are important to us. That's how we live our life. And it doesn't mean we get it right all the time and that we're perfect and this we miss the mark, we miss opportunities. But when you see your son get look for an opportunity and then go back and then the man, I'm sorry, you know, it was the second time that he went back to give the money. The man reached his hand. He stood up. And when I told my son, what was so incredible is that you made that man feel like a man, you know, not that he didn't, but everybody else looked down on that man. And it was interesting because it was just a message that I, that I heard recently about the woman with the issue of blood and that everybody else, this, this teacher said, everybody else calls her the woman with the issue of blood. But when she came in Jesus presence and he healed her, he called her daughter. Everybody else, that man that had been hunched down underneath that awning, 
saw him as a homeless man. My son, when he got out that car and that man stood up and he put his hand out there and my son took his hand and shook it back and then gave him a mask so that he can be protected going further. In my opinion, I feel like it helped that man feel like a man again in the presence of a space that everybody had overlooked him. And I told my son that handshake was so important because if he would have recoiled his hand because we're in a pandemic or any of those things, then it could have sent a message to that man that would have perhaps taken him down a different road, right? And yeah. so what my son said, and he and I agreed, was that, listen, at the end of the day, I believe that God will protect me. I just believe that this was part of what God wanted me to do and God will protect. So anyway, I say all that to say, to give that example, is that as parents, you, you collectively create the vision and the mission. What is our family about? What are we here for? What is our light about, right? You, you do that by your example. So your kids can see you doing it, not just, of course, for show, but so that you set the example. And as scripture says, you know, and when your child is old, he won't depart from it. That stuff is ingrained in my kids. And it's not because I'm some great parent. I suck at parenting a lot of times. I do. It is not my greatest gifts. But I'm grateful for God's favor and patience with me to help me steward and parent these children that he's put in our household. Mm. I feel like I had that same experience, even myself, because I, I was raised in the church. Like, not that my parents were pastors or anything, but like I grew up being, you know, I went to church every Sunday. Right. But as an adult, I feel like the relationship that I have now is completely different. I found myself at like 30. And this was again, after I had our second child, after I had the breakdown, uh, like I was in church and I was just crying and I didn't know, I didn't fully understand why I was crying, but it was just a lot of things. But um, I needed to be broken in that space and time in order to surrender so that God could put me on this journey that um, I've been undergoing so that he, I could have a better understanding of him mm -hmm. and create a deeper relationship with him. Mm -hmm. But it's crazy because you know, so many people can grow up thinking that they know like, oh, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But like, until you know it for yourself, until you have experienced it, not by law, not by rules and regulations, but really and truly by faith, you know, it's, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. It, it, it it's, it's like, it's so amazing. It It is such an adventure. <laughs> like it excites me even thinking about it, the ways in which he'll reveal himself to um us as individuals because he knows us so well mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. um but that is a thing that's built when you have that one-on-one -on -one time and are able to cultivate that relationship just like you would any other relationship whether right. it be an intimate relationship with a partner um you know with your family um or your children you know it, it takes time so yeah um thank you for sharing that because it, it's something that i've also found to be true and I hope that um, if anyone is listening in there, in this space of needing something deeper, that they could, you know, consider uh, building that relationship by faith. Mm -hmm. Because you are doing so much, you're superwoman. Like literally, you put on your your Clark Kent cape. <laughs> you know, you're an executive assistant by day. You're running this 
beautiful business of helping people live in their dreams and God-given gifts and talents by night. You're momming, you're living, you're womaning, uh, you're doing all of these things. Um, <laughs> How do you manage your self-care and work ethic in this digital age? Like, how do you balance? I know balance is bogus, but how do you do it? Well, I try to be very honest with myself about what I'm not doing well, and I have accountability. So (laughs) one of the things um, I was sharing with you, you know, in our girlfriend time, girlfriend chat before we started with the podcast is that. Uh, I think it was like two weeks ago, I got together a small group of women um, because I needed a check-in. You know, I hadn't been invited to, a, you know, anybody's girlfriend check-in, nothing really. So I was like, I just believe in, you know, if you need it, create it if it doesn't exist. So I was like, okay, hey, y'all, I need a space where I can, I understand I'm going to have to facilitate this, but I need a space where I can also be vulnerable, you know, and safe and all those things. Right. And so I put this thing together and um, in it, I decided to use this thing. It's called the wheel of life. And it, I don't own it. It is, I think it's trademarked by some, some person or some company. Um, And it originates, I think it originates from a Buddhist practice. And if you remember me at the top of the hour saying that I learn from some of everybody. You know, I think that they are all different faiths. I think there are different people with different walks of life, occupations, experiences that we should be learning from everybody, right? And so there, this thing um, called the wheel of life, it's not, the way that they adapted it is not the same one that they use in Buddhism, but the point of it is that it's like this circle, right? And the circle is divided up into eight different segments. So imagine a circle and imagine like a pie and you divide it up into eight pieces, right? And so in this wheel of life, that is a adaptation of what's used in, as I'm told, this Buddhist practice or this Buddhist tool, right? The, the Whoever created this wheel of life, the eight different areas that they have, they deal with things like business and career, finances, that's maybe a second one. A third piece of that pie is health. Some of these titles, I kind of changed them just a little bit for the audience of women that I was working with, right? So it's business and career, finances, health, family and friends, romance and partnership, self-care and personal development, fun and recreation, and then contribution to society. Each one of those pie pieces, if you imagine it that way, has a number score from one to 10. The one is at the center point and the 10 is all the way at the outer part of that particular, the wider part of the pie, so to speak, right? So what you do, what I had the ladies do is I had them look at eight those eight different areas of their life. I asked them to write out what is it that you want to see happen by the end of 2020 and going into 2021, right? And I told them to be as concise as they could, but, you know, detail where they need to be. And so based on that, I asked them, based if you look at where you are today, not where you want to be, but where you are today, and then versus where you want to be, how would you score yourself on the scale of one to 10? That's how you use the wheel of life, right? So then you put a point next to each one of these things, right? And if you have to, if you could imagine this, once you actually plot it out, you have a point for each one of these categories. And then you sort of connect the dots all the way around this circle. So let's say for me, you know, business and career, I, based on where I want to be, I was at a seven. For finances, I was also at a seven. 
for family and friends, I was at a, I think a lot, a seven also, right? For self-care and development, I was a seven. A lot of these areas, I was like a, or I was a contribution society, I was an eight. Now, there were three areas where I was very low. Health, I was at a three. Romance and partnership, a two. Fun and recreation, a one, right? So when you start to connect these dots, you'll see where the ones where I'm like a seven and an eight, they're kind of harmoniously kind of going around in this wheel circular shape. But then you get to health as a three and it's like the circle sharply goes in and same thing for these other areas, right? So what I told the ladies to do is once we connect these dots and you see where these areas sharply go in, those are the areas that I'm suggesting are in on life support in your life. And so for me, again, those three areas that are on life support were health, romance and partnership, and fun and recreation. And so the natural tendency is for me to say, oh, you know, in my business, I'm trying about 2020, I'm trying to make this happen. I want to launch this product. I want to make this amount of money. And then I might say the same thing in terms of my self-care and development, which is going pretty good. But then I have these other areas that are still self-care, they're hemorrhaging. And Mm -hmm. so what this helped me to do is to say, girl, yeah, I know you want to work on business and career, but uh, fun and recreation, boo. You had a one, you know, you you had a one when it comes to fun and recreation, romance and partnership. Okay. Yeah. I understand you're going through a divorce. And so you're at a two, but what can we do to keep your heart open, you know, during this Mm. space so that you don't get so, um, that you don't protect your heart so much that it, you know, you create this big old wall around it. How do we keep your heart soft, right? How do you keep continue to grow in that space of romance and partnership? Are you open to get to know other people? Not for any romantic, anything like that, but are you open, Michelle? Are you staying open? What does God want to teach you through this period, right? So, and then for my health, Michelle, what we going to do? This is where you said you want to be, but wait a minute, you had a three out of 10? What are we going to do? So those three areas are, in effect, self-care for me. And so mm. while I might want to work on some of the other areas, like, you know, let me read some more books. Girl, you don't, I'm about to curse. I ain't going to curse. I'm going to do good. You don't, Michelle, you don't need to read not another book. If, you know, I will. I mean, I do, but it's not the priority right now. I'm, I'm at it like a seven and a half, eight in self-care and, per, and personal development. If I don't read another book this year, I'm good. But what I do need to do is drive on a Saturday without an agenda, without a schedule, without a to-do list. I need to explore and try some new things, right? If Mm. Jesus had a Sabbath, what makes me think that I don't need to have a Sabbath? What's wrong mm. with me, right? And so being able to honor that health, what did it for my birthday? The one thing I said I was gonna buy, I was trying to figure out, do I go to this nice resort or do I finally buy the Peloton bike? I decided I'm buying the Peloton bike because I gotta get this body together. So those yeah. are the things that I'm doing is that I'm looking at the totality. I personally use the wheel of life with my girlfriends and with myself so that I could plot and see what are the areas in my life that are hemorrhaging and they need help. And then created a plan to say, this is what I'm going to do. And then had accountability in my life to make those things happen. That is the most in-depth and detailed answer I have ever gotten to that question. And I absolutely love it. Good. 
I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Somebody is going to gain so much value from that. And I'm sure that everybody right now is putting in their notes section on their phone, the wheel of life so that they can Google it later. Girl, girl. No, I'm glad. I'm grateful to be able to be learning and can share and pass it along. We're coming to the end of our conversation. But uh, before that, for anyone who may not have like gotten something that's like hitting for them in terms of crafting a vision though you have you've given us so much so much tea so many tips so many tricks but for the person that still isn't sure of how they can start um what is one tip that you can have uh, that you have for anyone who wants to start crafting or building a vision for themselves but they're unsure of where and how to start so the the one thing, if you could only do one thing, I would say get out a piece of paper. It don't have to be fancy. Not unless you're just fancy and you bought all these, you know, 500 journals that you still ain't used yet. But I ain't talking about nobody, <laughs> including self. I got a ton of journals. But I would right. just say grab a piece of paper and a pen, pencil, marker, whatever, and start writing out what is it that you really want? That is a question that I got from a friend some years ago that she got from a therapist that she was working with. And the question that she got was, what do you want? And what I added to it was the word really in that answer the question, what do you really want? Not what is it that everybody wants for you? Not what is it that you feel like everybody expects from you? What is it that you want for your life? When you're able to be honest with yourself, and maybe you're already living in your truth, right? And so your next step is to create a plan and do it. But for those who are unsure, you got to spend some time with yourself and say, what do I want? What does Jennifer want? What does Sean want? What does Jane want? Whoever, whatever your name is, Felicia, what is it that I want? That question is so important because we will find that many of us are living our lives for the applause of so many other people, but at the end of the day are so empty. We've accumulated, which is great, right? As long as the motive was right, we've accumulated degrees, we've accumulated money, homes, boats, bags. shoes, (laughs) likes on social media accounts. But if you're still going to bed empty and feeling like there's a void, somehow you got off track somewhere. And what I encourage you to do is go back and answer the question, what is it that I really want? Oh my goodness. I just got another chill. (laughs) Like, it really does start that way. Um, like, I don't want to go down another story of mine, but literally that question, that very question changed my life at 23 and just my approach to life. Um, and I think I've shared it on this podcast before, but like um, my husband now, Nicholas, he was the one who asked me the question when we were dating. And I mean, we've been dating since college. So um, we'd only been together like three years, but every day I would call him at the job that I was working at the time and like crying on my lunch break, crying in the bathroom, crying, walking around the building, crying. And I would call him and he, I think at one point, I don't know if it was like, uh, like 
this is just a question that he was just asking or if it was something where it was like, girl, just do something, you know? (laughs) But he was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do everything. You know, I just want to, I just want to create, I want to live a life that's like colorful and rich and bold and all these other adjectives that he was probably like, okay, Uh, (laughs) like just pick a thing and do it, you know? But that question is really life changing. So um, thank you for saying that. And I hope that if you are listening, anyone who's out there listening and you're looking uh, to create or build your visionary life, that you do just that. Ask yourself, what is it that you really want? And then um, take steps towards getting there. Mm-hmm. What is the greatest result of manifesting your vision so far for you personally? Oh, my gosh. The best thing, honestly, for me is the amount of peace that I have in my life right now. Like, um, I just said, so in reality and truth, I wasn't sharing. I mean, I'm all of it. I'll just, let me say it this way. My birthday is tomorrow. So that's what I I was going to say in reality and truth. So I said, my birthday is coming up. It's tomorrow. Right. And the reason why, thank you. The reason why I share that is because this past weekend, because remember I told you I'm leaning into fun and recreation, right? Because yeah. that area was a one, has been a one, it's been on life support in my life because I just work so hard, just like, you know, so many other women that are in my life and probably that I listen to this podcast is that we know how to check it off and we know how to perform and get it done and, and win and all that, right? But sometimes we don't do enough of that. And so for me, these past two weeks, it's been incredible just being able to go out and explore and do things like that, Right. And the thing is, and I I got to preface it again. Listen, <laughs> when y'all talk to me, you're going to get transparency. If it, if it don't sit well with you, I'm sorry. You know, me and the Lord got a good relationship. We, me and him, we good on this. So let me, I'll, yeah, okay. I got to preface that before I say what I'm going to say. Okay. I made the decision for me. I'm not, I can't tell nobody else how to live their life. And everybody's situation is very different. Me and God had to have a talk about it. When I made the decision for me that I knew that it was the right thing to do in terms of ending for me, I have to keep saying that, my marriage, right? It was not an easy decision. It was a long, long drawn out thoughtful decision, right? It's also a decision that conflicted with my faith in terms of my beliefs, right? And everything that I've been taught over the years, right? And so it was very tough. And when I was doing my vision board playbook, prior to making that decision, the thing that when I when I had put down my um, pictures for my marriage at the time, right? I had put down like all these pictures about love and, you know, this like milk and honey sort of collage, I looked down at the vision and I was like, whose life is this? This is not your life. This this is not the life that you're living. This is not your reality. This is not your marriage. Your marriage, this can be what you want, but this is not what you're living every day, right? Mm. And so I was like, okay, 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 okay. All right. I got to get honest with myself. What is my marriage like? Okay. So I started recreating the strategy board, the strategy sheet. I Work through it honestly and said, this is what it is, but this is what I desire. This is what it needs to be because this is not healthy. Like it was, it was not, it was not, there was nothing healthy about it, like period. Right. And 
the word that I put down, I had done the, the image, the visual after doing the strategy sheet. And there was, I cut out a picture of a woman and some other pictures that went around it. And there was a word courage that I found in a magazine. And I put that across her heart, right? And what I knew was that in order to make this decision, that again, it took some time to make it and it was scary and it was hard. And I saw pastoral counsel as I did it, right? Was that I knew I was going to have to have courage in order to do this because not just courage for what I thought was going to be right, but courage because this was going to change my children's entire life. This was going to change the life of the person who I have called my husband for over 20 something years. You know, it was going to change his life drastically. It was going to change the lives of family members who had become one, you know, between our union. It was going to change the perception of what people who followed me on social media thought about me in terms of me as a believer. It was going to change a lot of that stuff, right? But at the end of the day, what I had to say to myself is not one of them have to come into my household and live my life. Not one of them. Not one of them. Not one of them. Even as well-meaning as they are, not one of them. I'm the only one that has to come in here and live this life, right? And because of that, I knew I was going to have to have courage, but it also meant that I was going to have to go through a whole lot of hell to get to this place that I'm saying that now I'm grateful for peace. Mm. What I had to go through for 12 months of getting us aligned and prayerfully getting us to a peaceful place, meaning me and my husband at the time, helping my kids to process it having to shut down my business and go back to corporate America because I knew I was now going to be a single mother. Having to do all of those things, it was hard. I sold my home. I didn't make a ton of, I didn't make money where it was like, all right, well now, you know, we're going to split this money and you go do your thing. No, I, I didn't. I called one of my girlfriends and I'm, listen, I'm giving it to y'all as real as I can. I called one of my girlfriends and she allowed me to move in with her. And because I didn't want to feel like I was a burden on her, I was like, listen, just give me two months. Just give me two months and I'll be good. Right. And she was like, girl, take as much time as you need. So my daughter and I moved in with her. I was basically homeless from August of last year until it was finally December. And I put down on my, I called my brother and I asked my brother, I was like, hey, I know it's like October now. Would it be crazy to you if I said I want to be in my house by Christmas, right? And I had just gotten a job finally. Like I was unemployed, you know, besides my business, I was basically unemployed from August until September in terms of when I left my home, right? When we sold the house. And so I just gotten a job in September and I asked him, do you think it's crazy? He's the person I go to to tell me, you know, whether it is or not. And and my other girlfriend, Stephanie, I go to her. He was like, nah, I think you can do it. Sure enough, fast forward. I end up taking, I had one more, more, more panel left on my vision board playbook. There was a community that I so deeply wanted to live in. And I put down on the vision board, my daughter and I went and came and saw one of the houses. We had seen multiple ones in this community, but there was one that I saw and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to live in this house. Took a picture of my daughter in this house, wrote the vision on that strategy sheet that I talked about and put the pictures of this community that I wanted to live in on the board, right? And I was terrified because I was thinking about all the reasons why I wouldn't be able to because my credit was in disarray. I had just started a brand new job. 
who's going to take me in this situation? Will I really be able to afford this, right? Even though on paper, I realized like, oh, I can do this, right? Fast forwarded, talking to two of my girlfriends through the process, and they were like, girl, one of my girlfriends, Kristen, she was like, Michelle, I need you to see yourself in that house sitting next to that fireplace, you living there and walk around that community. And I need you to continue to claim that, right? Manifest that thing. Girl, they called me and when they emailed me and told me I was approved and they chose me out of all the other applicants. Can I tell you how incredible it has been? And not only that, remember I told you I wanted to be in my house by Christmas? The owners of the house, they didn't think they'd be able to get a renter. They apparently said to their broker, maybe some, some, they thought, well, maybe we won't be able to get anybody in here at this short amount of time. The broker says, maybe you'll get somebody in that wants to be moved in by Christmas. Who was that? Stop it. I lie not to you. I've been living in this home since December. The community that I had always wanted to live in, the one that I thought maybe I didn't qualify for. But thank God for friends who helped me to stay focused on what is it that you really want. Write the vision, make it plain so that he who sees it will run, right? So to see it and what God has done and for my former husband and I to be in such a good, peaceful space, I mean, peaceful space, as we continue to process this last piece of our journey together, it is nothing but God, but I had to have courage. And so that's the thing that for me, that when we talk about manifesting what has come a result that I'm most proud of or I'm happy about, it's the peace that was on the other side. Mm. But I had to first be honest with myself about what I really wanted. And I knew it wasn't going to be popular. And I understood that. But I, I, again, as I said, I had pastoral counseling, did all that I could to work through the challenges that we were having but knew that it was the right decision and had to just trust God with the rest. It's not God's ideal. God hates divorce. It's not his ideal. But at the end of the day, God still loves me. God still loves him. And God deeply loves my family. And so the grace and the peace that he's given us through this, I don't want that for anybody. So anybody that's listening, I don't want them to think that's what I'm telling you. That's between you and God to work through. I'm just saying for me. I was grateful that I was able to have an honest conversation with myself about what I wanted and what I needed in my life. Oh my gosh, Michelle, thank you for sharing that. Somebody, like a lot of bodies <laughs> needed to hear that. And thank you so much for sharing it. And you know what's crazy? Um, I, I think I shared this with you like very briefly, but this episode is something that I've had planned for over a year. Oh my gosh. God be the glory, like, He's so intentional in like how he does things. I it was meant to happen in this way and in this time. Oh my gosh, Lord, Holy Spirit, Lord God, thank you. He's so good. Like I can't even begin to tell you the the idea of this podcast had been conceived in 2017 or 2018, and <laughs> it, it's something that he would not let off of my spirit. And every time I start to like drag my feet about it, he'll bring it back to, to mind. Like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Don't focus on that. This is, this is what you need to be doing at this time. And so I have, 
I, I I reached out to you, I believe, initially last year. Yeah. I've had questions written since like 2018, the year before, and it took me four months to start sending you your email. Like, you know, and so even earlier this year, I sent follow-up emails and that was kind of slow. But just recently, he told me again, like, that's not what you're supposed to focus on. Focus on this. And then the fact that you responded and that this is happening now, it's all God's I'm timing. I'm so glad and you I- reached out because let me tell you what I didn't tell you, girl. I have I have been like carrying not necessarily guilt, but just like heaviness around like, oh, me and Erica didn't contact, didn't connect about the podcast. I've dropped the ball. Da, 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 da. I have been feeling like there's like, there were like three things, I think or maybe three, I, don't, I can't remember exactly how many things it was. Like things I was like, oh, I got to get on that. And this was one of them. <laughs> so it is such a blessing to me. I'm so grateful, seriously, that you reached out to me recently to ask me because I was like, thank you God so much. Thank you for redeem- redeeming that for me because I was carrying a heavy heart that I, I believed, I, I know that I had dropped the ball on following through with you. And so I'm so grateful that, you know, whatever it is that God was stirring in your heart, that you acted because on the other end of that, I was carrying a heavy heart because I had not finished this to completion with you. Oh my gosh. Oh, I just got another chill. To God be the glory, man. He is like really the MVP. Thank you for sharing that. And and just like, again, affirming, like, I feel like part of this message really of living, um, of building vision in this topic today is to um, act on your faith. Like, don't just say the thing. You know, like, I feel like that's a theme that has come up a couple of times in this conversation, you know, to not just have the idea, not to just have the vision, but to like act on the vision, act by faith. And that's a huge thing and a a big part of my, my message that the Lord has really placed on my heart. And it's also like a practice for me, something that I'm, I work on every single day. Like when I have a thought, when I have a something, something, just doing the thing rather than talking about the thing. But I think it's really important to um, just speak about it from a general sense and for like anyone who has a vision, you know, like the vision hasn't been given to you for no reason or for it to just sit there and like culminate dust, you know, act on the vision, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the creator, whoever you believe in, however you believe, like that has been put on your heart for a reason and for a specific time, you know, and it's, it's not to go to waste. And also for those who are waiting to do something that hasn't been done. And I'm talking about a vision that has been placed in your heart or in your mind, do it, start with it today because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I say this all the time. There is no time to waste. And earlier, Michelle, I know you spoke about the the vision being executed by somebody else. But also, there's no time to waste. The world needs what you have now. And um, you just never know who you could be passing by on a daily basis that needs exactly what it is that you have to offer. But you're holding it. You're being selfish with it, you know? So um, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. It's like and a confirmation, like to just do the thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> act in a timely manner. Yep. Um, because I also, on the other side, I didn't want to bother you. <laughs> I was like, I don't want any, I don't want people thinking that I'm bothering them about things, but I, I really appreciate you saying that. Thank Let you. me just say this last little thing. And I don't know if we'll, this will actually make it to air. The thing that I've learned about us having that feeling of not wanting to bother people is that quite often you're not bothering them. 
in the years, especially now in working with senior executives, right, we get so many scheduling requests that come in. And sometimes as their assistant, I have a ton of emails that come in for a request, right? When it gets crazy, mad, busy, it's not always because the person doesn't want to meet with you. It's because the reason why they haven't called you back is because they have so many requests. And what will happen is whoever it is that uh, while you're trying to funnel through all those requests that you have, and you're trying to get it done because it can feel maybe overwhelming or whatever. Whoever calls and follows back up again, even if it's an email, that's who it's like, oh, let me handle this right now. And so I want to encourage people if there's somebody that you have reached out to and they haven't responded back yet. Don't just assume they don't want to talk to you. Sometimes their life is so just overwhelmed, overwhelming, that they just don't, haven't created the space. But if you would just pick up the phone and call them and ask for what you want or send that follow-up email as kind as you could, I'm telling you, sometimes it nudges them so that you can get to what you need. Because the lesson I had to learn two weeks ago while I was in the grocery store, and I won't go into the full details, is that we make it about, I don't want the person not to like me. That's how, that's what our intuitive self is, right? But God had to remind me recently that you're not trying to be friends with that person right there. (laughs) Your goal is to get the thing done. It's not to be best friends with that person. Yes, you got to be cordial or whatever, but that's not the goal. If you get being being friends with that person, that person liking you, confused with getting the work done, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities that you didn't push on just because you were afraid the person, you were going to annoy them or be a burden to that person. Pick up the phone, call them, or shoot a second email as a follow-up. That's all. Another message. Thank you. <laughs> I love you, girl. No, that is definitely making it to air. Okay. We not cutting that out. Okay. <laughs> A lot of somebody's needed to hear that message. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, Michelle, thank you so much. So, my so, pleasure. so very much for taking your evening to speak with me, to share your knowledge, to share your anointing, and just sprinkle us with all of the goodness and gems that is you like it is you and that God is placed on you. Um, it really is truly a gifting and I am so blessed by, I was blessed by it tonight and just blessed to know you and to, um, have received like, really thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is amazing. Oh my gosh. But wait, there's one last question before we leave in your mind. How do you define living rich and in your mind, what creates a live rich moment for you? Mm. How do you, Mm, 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 mm. I love that question. Oh, that's such a bomb question. I'll end it like this. I'm going to ask love story, but, and I'll be a concise, this will be a concise one. When I was in Ethiopia, um, um, waiting for my daughter's embassy and everything to clear, right? I was in a cab with one of the drivers and he was like, oh my gosh, you Americans, y'all are so rich, y'all are so rich, y'all are so rich. And I was like, no, man, I had been here for a little while, right? I was like, no, you guys in Ethiopia, y'all are rich because you might look at what we have in terms of money, But what I have learned since being here in Ethiopia in terms of the way that you value and take time for family, like to sit and take out one hour of every single day for coffee, 
with people who are closest to you and to really figure out life and that richness in terms of human connection that has nothing to do with the gain of monetary things, that's living rich. That was my experience of what living rich. Living rich is really not about how much money you you accumulate. It's the experiences you have and what you do with those experiences to make not only your life better, but the life of the people around you better. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for sharing that. I, like that's exactly what the Liverage Movement is all about, and just trying to shed light and awareness on just the power of living um, a rich life. Not not in the monetary sense, but just in recognizing your blessings. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, I'm like, I can't thank you enough for thank taking you. the time to share everything. Thank this you for amazing. this opportunity, Erica. Erica. It's been incredible. Thank God. Thank you. And thank God. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm going to let you get to your, your beauty rest because I know you have a big day tomorrow. <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> and your birthday. Um, and I, I pray that you have a great day, an amazing day, a well-rested um, and just joy-filled day because you deserve all of it. Thank you, lady. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. And have a great night. Do love. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Oh my goodness, wasn't she amazing? <sighs> do you guys now see why I had her on this episode? And do you also see why I had to make the transition into this this week's episode so quick? There was so much to cover, and she covered all the grounds in all the ways. Ugh. Thank you again to Michelle for visiting the podcast and sharing all of her wonderful knowledge. I was so excited about the episode and her being here that I forgot to ask her where you could follow her, but you can follow Michelle everywhere at michelle.mckinney on Instagram. But in addition to this, you can also find her online at sundayswithmiche.com. That's Sundays with M-I-C-H-E dot com. But you'll also be able to click the uh, link that's shared in the description box of this week's episode and you can connect with her there as well. I hope that you guys reach out because she's amazing. Go follow her, go follow her, go follow her. Trust me, you will not regret it. love to Michelle for taking time to speak with us and blessing us with visionary tips that I'm sure will help all of us boss up for 2021 and beyond. Again, please follow her everywhere at michelle.mckinney. And I hope that this episode really inspires you to take bold and courageous moves towards unleashing your hidden treasures within. If you enjoyed the episode, let's keep the conversation going online. Follow me across social media on Facebook and Instagram or where I usually play in addition to here and there, a little TikTok, at Erica Lasan. And I'd love to hear about what some of your greatest takeaways from this episode were. Lastly, if you're in a transitional phase of your life where you're looking for a little more joy, purpose, and healing, but you're unsure of where and how to get started, 
please visit the site ericalasan.com where you can find a number of resources geared towards helping you on your journey to purpose. Otherwise, feel free to send me a message on social media or you can send me an email and I will be sure to get back to you as soon as possible. Until the next time, I hope that you guys have a blessed and wonderful day. Live rich and happy dream chasing.